Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning. It is good to see y'all smiling face this morning from what I can see from the stage with this bright light shining in my eyes. At least the first couple rows I can see that you're smiling, so that's good. Uh, My name is Nick Jonkowski. I'm the associate pastor here at Mosaic Church. I'm so glad that y'all have decided to come out and join us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, But before we dive into God's Word together, I want to invite us to pause and invite God to speak to our hearts. So would you join me in a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Father, off of incredibly busy weeks filled with all kinds of different activities, work, um, family, relationships, things that bring us joy, Father God, and things that bring us stress and heartache. And Father, as our hearts are consumed with so many things happening in our lives and the world around us, Father, we pause for this moment just to breathe and to say that we welcome your presence here. We need you, Lord. And so we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts that we may leave here different than when we first arrived. We thank you for that, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a question I want to ask you this morning. Pretty straightforward. Have you ever wished that you had a skill or talent that someone else possessed? Obvious, right? Like, (laughs) thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, Yeah, of course, all of us at some point in our lives have probably lamented a lack of a skill or an ability that we've witnessed in someone else. And maybe that someone else was a neighbor, maybe it was a classmate, somebody that we saw on TV, or maybe even it was a social media influencer. But we all do it from time to time because we all have this innate disposition within within ourselves to compare our abilities to other people because we want to know how we stack up as human beings, right? We want to know how we kind of compare on the hierarchy. And I am certainly no exception to the rule. There have been times in my life where I have definitely compared my skills and abilities to other people. And the football field was one of those areas that I compared myself all the time. Because in my mind, as a young kid, I dreamed that one day I was going to grow up to become the next great NFL wide receiver. Obviously, you're laughing because you're seeing that, one, that didn't happen. Uh, But you're seeing also, two, I see how he's built. I understand why that didn't happen. I had two minor minor obstacles that stood in the way between me and sports glory. And the first one was that I was prototypically white, right? Uh, Which meant that I had a top-end speed that could rival turtles stampeding through peanut butter. I was not a fast kid, um, and I'm not a fast adult either. So uh, that was one of the obstacles that stood in my way. The other obstacle was that I had hands of stone. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I could not catch a football if it was a cold. I couldn't catch it. And I have horror stories in my mind in football practice where our teams would be concluding um, uh, drills where we would be running, and every person on the team had to catch a football before we could stop running. 
And inevitably, I was always the last kid that was trying to catch a football. And I remember my friends and my teammates, they were either cheering me on or cursing me out because they wanted to go home, one of the two, depending on how the day was going. And so in high school, I spent my football playing days the way a lot of kids who possess my similar skills and abilities did on the offensive line. Right? And so as I toiled my days away uh, trying to block uh, these ginormous uh, young men, I did so with kind of this latent jealousy towards those other players on the team who occupied the glory positions, right? The, or the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers. And as I did so, I coveted their abilities. I wished that I had their speed. I wished that I had their agility. I wished that I could just catch the ball the way they did, and then maybe I would be that great NFL receiver. Of course, as I've gotten older, not much has changed. I still can't catch a football very well to this day. Um, those of you who've seen me play, you can attest to that. But I still also find myself comparing my abilities to other people. And while I don't necessarily compare myself to athletes anymore, because that would be weird, like, why is that guy faster than me? Well, he's 20 years younger. Oh, dang him. Like, that, <laughs> that doesn't mean, that would be weird if I did that, right? But I do have an area in my life where I still do compare my abilities to others, and I'm speaking specifically about the church, and more specifically, other believers in the church. And now, I understand and acknowledge that that might be weird for you this morning to hear a pastor confess that he compares himself to other believers, and I just want to say that that's why we really need to pray for Pastor Jason. <laughs> We need to pray for him. No, I'm talking about myself. Um, I struggle with that. In fact, as I was watching people come into the room this morning, knowing that I was going to be speaking about this, I knew that there are people here, and in fact, in every congregation that I've ever been a part of, that I've compared my skills or abilities to. And the pendulum of my comparison swings wide both ways, right? There are some people who I can pridefully compare myself to. Obviously, none of you here, right, that I would look at and say, I've got more gifts and more abilities than that person, so I'm better in my walk with God. On the other side, though, the, where the pendulum swings, I can compare myself to others and feel a little more insecure about my standing because I don't possess the gifts and talents that they do. And maybe that's just a weird thing as a pastor, but I would imagine that there's probably those here this morning that could relate with feeling that way from time to time when you walk into church. I mean, after all, we've already said that comparison is a trap that any one of us can fall into at any time. And so why is it then that the church would be any different could we not expect to encounter in the community of our believers other Christ followers who had differing gifts and talents that we might look to and compare or measure our faith? I would argue that yes, that does happen more frequently than probably we admit or say. And that comparison game can play out in a variety of different ways within the context of a church community. I think one of the most common areas, for example, that we will compare ourselves to others is in the arena of corporate prayer or praying out loud. 
right? There is no other instance that I could think of in, in church life where you quickly kind of compare yourself, rank yourself on the Christian scale as prayer, right? When somebody is praying out loud, you compare yourself, and either you come to the conclusion that I can pray out loud too because I just sound better than that person does, I know all the right theological words, I know how to put my prayers together well, or you come to a conclusion that I'm not going to pray at all because my words are not as eloquent as somebody else that is praying or in that room. And the same is true in other areas of our faith as well. It's not just prayer, but perhaps it's somebody's knowledge of God's word. And we compare ourselves, do I know more or do I know less than that person? Perhaps it's also sharing the gospel. Do I share the gospel more or do I share the gospel less than that person? Perhaps it's, it's leading worship. And you say, man, I listen to Pastor Nick sing and he sounds like a dying cat, so I know I'm good when I sing, so that's okay. But that other person, like Don, she's a step higher than some of the other people. Or maybe we compare ourselves to how we engage with kids in children's ministry or youth in youth ministry or how a leader leads a discussion in a small group. It goes on and on and on, the different ways that we compare ourselves to others. And as we play this comparison game in the church, one of two things can happen. It can lead us to one of two places in our walk with Christ. Either... As I compare myself to others, I think myself better than them, and I arrive at a place of spiritual pride in my Christian faith. Or, as I compare myself to others, I arrive at a place of insecurity or jealousy because I lack some of the gifts that I see in other people. And regardless of where you land, the end result of both is the same. All of our focus in those moments is directly pointed at me. It's directly pointed back at me. And so the question for you this morning, and perhaps you're even wondering at white net right now, why does this matter? Nick, I thought we were talking on a series about serving our community. What in the world does comparison have to do with serving in our community? And the fact is, it has a lot to do with it. Because primarily, if we desire as a church to be deeply involved in our community, to lavish love and care the way that Jesus would if he were alive today, and if you haven't seen that, that is our exact mission statement from our website. If that is the kind of church that we desire to be, we cannot engage or get caught up in this comparison game. Because when we do so, we lose our effectiveness as a church in our ability not only to minister inside these four walls, but outside. Because we cannot as effectively minister to others if there are people in this body who view themselves as being better than others. And conversely, our effectiveness is diminished if there are people in this body who lack a sense of place, because they can't perceive their inherent value to the mission of Jesus Christ. Both distract and lessen our effectiveness as a church. And so um, much of our effectiveness as a church, at least in terms of our own human ability to reach our community, is centered on and determined by our ability to be unified as a church but then also to actively and equally celebrate the diversity of gifts that exists in this body. 
So the question becomes then, how do we do that? How do we become a church that successfully overcomes our tendency to compare ourselves to others? I'm glad you asked. Uh, the good news is, is that we are not the first church to actually wrestle with this question. The ancient church in Rome wrestled with the same question as well. They were caught up in the comparison game too. And in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul directly addresses and provides instruction for the Roman believers as well as us Christ followers today for how to become a church that effectively balances our spiritual giftings in both unity and diversity. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and together uh, we're going to explore what the Apostle Paul has to say about the comparison game. And for those of you who may not know a lot about the Bible or may not know much about the Bible or are new to the Bible, uh, the book of Romans is one of the longest and most theologically significant letters to ever be penned by the Apostle Paul. And the occasion for Paul's magnum opus was that the church in Rome was divided. The church was a multi-ethnic group of believers that were comparing one another to each other. And so on one side of the church, you had Jews who were comparing themselves to the Gentiles and said that we are better or we are more loved by God because we are circumcised. That makes us right. And on the other side of the church, you had Gentiles who were comparing themselves to the Jews and saying, we are better or we are right because we're not kosher and we get to eat delicious bacon. Or something like that, right? Like something tied into that, that they thought they were better for that reason. And so the Apostle Paul begins to address this, uh, because not only is this um, festering, this division festering in the church, it's also beginning to limit the effectiveness of this church in terms of Paul's desire for them to be a launching pad to be able to reach out to surrounding communities around Rome. So in response to all this infighting happening in the church of Rome, the Apostle Paul pens the letter to the Romans in A.D. 57, somewhere around there. And specifically, in chapter 12, he directly addresses the comparison game that was creating division and stagnating their effectiveness as a church. And so let's check out what the Apostle Paul has to say now, beginning here in verse uh, 3. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. And so Paul begins by addressing the comparison game by talking directly to the elephant that was in the room at the moment. In other words, he's addressing the comparison game that was happening in the Roman church. And chief among those offenders in the Roman church that were uh, uh, comparing themselves to others were those Jews and Gentiles who saw themselves as being better or thought more highly of themselves than they should have. 
I don't know about you, but if you've been a Christ follower or a Christian or been in church for any amount of time, more than five minutes, you have probably at some point in your Christian experience come across or had the experience of witnessing somebody who is unpleasant because of spiritual pride, right? We've all kind of bumped into those people. They're the people who tend to brag a lot about their Christian education. They dominate theological conversations with their viewpoints. They disparage other believers for their lack of faith or they condemn any form of Christian methodology outside of their own because their way is always the right way, baby. And so subsequently, Paul rightly addresses these believers first because their toxicity, easy for me to say, the toxicity of their pride was poisoning the Roman church from the inside out. It was staggering their ability to be able to be effective to serve their community. And the antidote that Paul prescribes for this comparison game that these Roman believers were caught up in, he says, have sober judgment. Have sober judgment. In other translations, Paul uh, rendered that as having a sound mind. And specifically, what Paul is talking about here is that when it comes to our gifts, our spiritual gifts that we have been given, our gifts, talents, and abilities, Paul is desiring that one's attitude towards those gifts is one of humility, where we do not consider our own gifts as something better than somebody else's, but instead we walk towards one another in humility. And so sober judgment. He says, practice sober judgment. What does that look like? What does that even mean to be somebody who walks in sober judgment? In Wisconsin, that could mean something totally different than maybe out in North Carolina, right? Like having sober judgment. Um, but the, uh, the antidote and kind of this idea of sober judgment, Paul elaborates elsewhere in the book of Philippians. And he gives some idea and some specifics to exactly what sober judgment should look like in those who are practicing it. And he says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others over yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so Paul is saying here to any of us in this room, myself included, who has ever had their heart troubled by the temptation to see themselves as being greater than others, Paul says, stop it. Knock it off. That is not what you are called to be as a follower of Jesus. And instead, he says, in every situation, without exception, it doesn't matter that what day it is, what kind of week we've had, whether we really do think we're more valued, whatever it is, there is no exception. Paul says in every situation, followers of Jesus, think of others better than yourselves, putting their needs above your own. And of course, maybe you might be tempted to respond the same way I did this week when I read that, that that's easier said than done, Paul. Right? Like, that sounds good on paper again, but man, that is hard hard to live out, Paul. And the truth is, it's hard to live out because not only do we have to contend with our own sin, our own brokenness inside, but church, we live in a culture 
that where self-realization, this idea of self-realization is championed as the pinnacle of human development. We live in a world that encourages the primary pursuit of your feelings, of your desires, as the number one thing in life. And Paul's words, and indeed the entirety of Scripture, is deeply countercultural to his exhortation to put others' needs and interests before our own. And so if you're sitting there this morning, you're saying, Pastor, that sounds hard. I don't know that I can do that on my own. The truth is you can't. I can't do it. We need Jesus. We need the infilling of the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to live that truth out, to be people who practice sober judgment, who put the needs of others above ourselves. We need help from the Lord to be able to do that. And so Paul's primary purpose here in this moment for challenging the believers to esteem themselves better, others better, first in their church and then in the community, is because this kind of Holy Spirit-empowered outward focus will naturally lead to greater unity in the church. It will naturally lead to greater unity in the church because if we are unified in seeing one another as being better than we are, we are going to be mobilized and nobody is going to be held back from using their gifts and talents to go serve not only in the body, but the community beyond. And so think about it this way. If I view you as being better than me, and indeed you view me as being better than you, then something marvelous can begin to happen in our community. We will live in a community, a church, where everyone is looked up to and nobody is looked down upon regardless of their skill or ability. Where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down upon because of their skill or ability. And so the comparison game in that context, in that scenario, withers and dies. It can't survive when believers are practicing and actively living out this idea of sober judgment. It can't. You cut off its air. It dies. And so, church, I have a question that I want to ask you this morning. It's the question that, again, I've had to wrestle with this week, and so you are too. How do you esteem others here at Mosaic Church? How do you esteem others here at Mosaic Church? Do you think of others as being less valuable or underneath you? Or perhaps do you value others as being greater than yourself? And that question matters greatly to our mission as a church because if our mission as a church is not only to be a place where broken people can be, which is me, you, and everyone else who walks through these doors, by the way, but if our church is, we desire for our church to be a place where broken people gather, and furthermore, not only that, that we will be a church that goes out into the community to meet the needs of the broken, we are going to encounter people where there might be a temptation at times to look at ourselves as being greater, more put together, or more spiritual. And here's the truth, church. If that is our attitude now, if we are in that place, if that is part of our culture, we will never succeed in meeting the needs of our community outside the four walls of this building. We will never succeed. We're DOA. We're dead on arrival. 
It doesn't matter what we do, how great of programs we have, how awesome the music is, how awesome our building is. It does not matter unless we can get to a place through the help of the Holy Spirit where we view others as being better than ourselves. And so having now firmly rebuked this idea of toxicity in the comparison game, Paul now turns his attention towards um, how to gifts or how gifts should be used and practically in the everyday functioning of the church. And so he says this beginning in verse 4. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So when it comes to the use of our gifts within the church, Paul is exhorting us as Christ followers to view our body, our gifts, as a human body. He's saying that just like the human body, as it has all of its ligaments and hands and organs, that all are working together to complete a function within the body, to keep the body healthy, whole, and functioning, so too the body of Christ has individual members that are all part of one body in Christ that are working together to be able to keep the church healthy and functioning and moving in the right direction. And so this balance between unity and diversity, unity that we are all one body in Christ, and diversity that we are many parts that have many different functions, can be a source of incredible encouragement to any of those here this morning who might underestimate their inherent value in the body of Christ. Because it's true. Not every one of us can be an eye. Not every person can be an ear. Not every person can be a hand. And what I mean by that is not everybody is going to be on stage. Not everybody's going to be leading worship. Not everybody's going to be up front in some capacity. But hear me this morning, church. That does not mean that other gifts that are less visible from the stage are any less valuable or any less important to the overall mission of Jesus Christ in this world. Quite the opposite. Because it's kind of like the idea of a, a baton race. If anybody's did track and field when they were younger, um, a baton race is you got multiple runners who are handing off the baton to get the, the baton across the finish line, right? And as they're doing that, the person who gets the baton last to cross the finish line is not the star of the race. It's a team effort. Every one of those players who ran, every one of those people who competed helped to get across that finish line. And if at any point one of those teammates looked at that and said, I am not going to compete anymore because I don't get to be the one who carries the baton across the finish line, the race would be over for everyone. If any one of those players just sat down and said, I'm not going to do it, the race would be over. And the same is true for us here in, in, in Mosaic Church and for the body of Christ universally. Every believer, every believer has a unique and valuable role to play in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Every believer, myself, any believer that is sitting here has a unique and valuable role in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And I know that that is something that as a pastor, both myself and Jason are so grateful that there are people within this body who understand and embrace that principle that every believer has a, a position and a valuable role in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Because think about this for a moment with me. 
and maybe you've never had to think about this because you're not a pastor and that's okay, I wouldn't expect you to, but how does this church get clean? Have you ever thought about that? It's not magic cleaning fairies. I'll, I, I'll tell you that. We don't wish upon a star and this church just happens to get clean every week. Right? This church gets clean every week because there is a single member, one person, who exercises their gift of service. And I'm not going to say who that person is because I, one, don't have the permission to do so, and number two, they practice that sober judgment and I really believe that they, in humility they wouldn't want their name mentioned. But there is one person who comes into this building every week and cleans it top to bottom. That means they are sweeping the floors. That means they're vacuuming the carpets. They're wiping down the windows. And they're scrubbing the toilets without ever once setting foot on this stage. And just because they aren't up front does not mean that that gift is any less valuable to the mission of Mosaic Church and more importantly, the mission of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would tell you this morning, church, that we would not exist if that person was not here doing that. Because think about it for just a moment. If that person was not serving in their gift that God had given them, if at any point they said, I'm better than this, I shouldn't be cleaning other people's toilets and just threw up their hands and walked out, this church would very quickly devolve into looking like my middle school bedroom, right? Like there's pizza crust lying around, there's dirty socks on the floor, it starts to stink like an eighth grade boy's locker room. And I, look, y'all, I don't care who you are, but ain't nobody worshiping Jesus with any amount of happiness if our sanctuary smells like B.O. and Axe, right? Like it ain't happening. We need those people. And so every believer church has a unique and valuable role to play in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And so we say this a lot, and I'll say it again. It's not my job to do everything here at the church. It's not Jason's job alone to accomplish everything here at the church. It's not Rick's job alone. It's not Joe's job. It's not Don's job. It's not uh, Tom's job. We all have a hand in sharing in the mission of Jesus here at Mosaic. And it's one of the reasons we say, church, we are Mosaic. It's one of our slogans. It has been from the very beginning. We are Mosaic. And the reason that we say that is because at the very core of our being, we understand and we believe that we cannot accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ, not only inside these four walls, but outside without you without your gifts and talents. And so if you've never heard this, hear this this morning. We need, the body of Christ here at Mosaic needs your skills, your talents, and your abilities. Not only to effectively serve our needs in here, man, but there is a world that is dying and going to hell outside these four walls. And we need your abilities and your skills to help serve there as well. And so my challenge for you this, is, uh, this morning is very quickly, I'm going to wrap up and just say this. Um, guys, we'll skip the picture. Um, if you're sitting there this morning and you're not sure or have never thought about serving at a church, my challenge for you this morning is simply this. Go home and just pray about it. 
just prayerfully ask God, God, where would you have me serve in your body? You've gifted me. I believe that you've given me talents and abilities to be able to serve the body. Where is it that you would have me serve within the community of Mosaic? I know God's going to tell you yes because it's in his word. But if you've got to go talk to him, go do it. Go have that conversation with the Lord. But perhaps for others of you who are sitting there this morning and you're feeling that gentle tap of the Holy Spirit on your shoulder saying, hey, he's talking to you and it's time to get involved. If that's you this morning and you've been sitting in the pews, hey, we love you and there's no judgment or condemnation for doing that, but we need you. And I would just invite you to come find myself or Miss Heidi after service. We would love the opportunity just to talk with you and share more about how you can use those gifts and talents to serve the community here and beyond at Mosaic. So with that being said, we're going to transition now into a time um, where we're actually going to have an interview um, with one of our community leaders. Uh, But before we do that, I would like to pray. So if uh, you would bow your heads with me, we'll pray and uh, get ready um, to invite Scott and Michelle up. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we thank you so much for your word. God, that again, there is no area of our lives that is not answered by your word, Jesus. And Father, that where we have temptations at times to be able to compare ourselves to other, Jesus, let us remember your example, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider that something to be compared. You were humble enough to come and serve your creation. God, may we have that same mindset. May we have that same mind as we submit ourselves to one another. We thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, One of the cool things uh, that we've been doing recently, we've been talking a lot about this, is that um, our impact ministry, which has been led by our incredible impact ministry coordinator, Michelle Prater, um, we have been meeting with different community leaders here in Slinger and Washington County and giving the opportunity for them to just share with us what is happening in the community here in Washington County. What are the needs in the community that we can address? And so one of the things that Michelle and I started talking about is it would be really cool not only for us to hear this information, but for you guys to hear that information as well. And so I want to invite Michelle to the front, our awesome uh, impact coordinator, um, and have her share a little bit more about what's happening in impact ministry. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I was. I always feel a little nervous to get up here, but I feel like today's a good day because nobody's comparing themselves to me. <laughs> like, you guys have really put me. You're all looking up to me right now. It feels <laughs> feels really good. You too, Scott. So yeah, my name is Michelle and I am part of the Impact Ministry team and what we're working on right now is just trying to get to know our community and know the needs of our community so that we're not an impact ministry that's just kind of guessing what the community needs and us inserting ourselves into where we think we can help but actually knowing and understanding what the needs are so we can help and really meet those needs and come alongside organizations and community leaders that are already working on those things effectively. So uh, throughout this month, we have a couple of interviews that we're going to be doing. And um, 
it's been really beneficial for me just to hear the hearts of each of these individuals and where their focus is so we can come alongside them. Um, and so today we're having Scott Stortz come up. If you haven't met him before, he is our village president. And I would encourage you, just like any other Mosaic Sunday after the service, to come on back and introduce yourself if you haven't met him before um, and just take the time to get to know him a little bit. So uh, I think we could give him like a nice round of applause. Come on up, Scott. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Okay. I don't I think it's fair that we're speaking after pa Pastor Nick here. <laughs> I don't think that's I fair. I always feel like that, too. <laughs> um, okay, so I have my list of questions here. There's six. I always like, I'm a teacher, so I like my audience to know what is happening, so you know how, how many uh, questions are coming. But first, I thought maybe, Scott, um, there may be people here that don't know who you are. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is as the village president. Thank you. Good morning. I appreciate being here. Um, as she said, my name is Scott Storz. I'm the village president. Um, I've been in Slinger now for 12 years. I'm married to my wife for 28 years. We have two children. They both go to uh, Slinger High School. I have uh, a daughter who turns 17 today. She'll be a senior. And my, thank you. And um, my son, uh, who will be a sophomore. So he's got his temp, she's driving, and I'm losing hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're great kids. Um, we've been a part of Washington County our whole life. Uh, I grew up in Richfield. That's where I met my wife. We went to Hartford High School. Um, we, we love the community of Slinger, and um, you know my talents are, are communication. I work in real estate, and I, in my years ago, I served uh, Washington County Supervisor, uh, Village of Jackson Trustee, and when we moved here, I decided a couple of years ago to bring some of those connections and, and skill sets to the village of Slinger. Um, so that's kind of a little back, personal background about myself. In terms of my role as village president, it, you know, it might, it might sound fancy, but I'm just really kind of the point man. So when something goes wrong, they just point at me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it is a team effort. It's no different than what Pastor Nick was just saying. You know, I might have this, you know, grandiose title, but it's a team. It's the people that are around me. It's we are very fortunate. We have an awesome staff at at the village hall. Uh, they're very committed and focused on making sure that, that that we're moving in the right direction. And there are seven elected trustees, and of course we've got uh, board members that serve in different capacities. Um, but I, I, you know, my role would be setting the agenda, uh, getting team members to communicate, reaching out to the community, uh, working with developers, um, being the point man in terms of when, when there are issues to, to help kind of sort those through. But it's not like uh, the President of the United States where you've got this, this pen that you can just make things happen. That's, <laughs> that's not how it works on a local level. Everything goes through committee, um, which is great. That's really how it should be. It should be communication. It should be about uh, problem solving as a team. And that's really what I do is I help facilitate that. I help make sure that all the voices are heard in the room and that, you know, and many times, you know, try to lead down the right path of where we're going. So that's kind of an overview of what I do. And then set the budget, which is a whole nother story. 
Thank you for sharing. Sorry, I think I heard some grumbles when you said Hartford. Oh, sorry. So I apologize for... Hey, I, I'm a former, former Oriole. I'm an owl now. Okay. Yeah, same. I was not from Slinger, but I say I'm fully converted into a Slinger owl now. Um, okay, thank you. So we're going to move into five questions that really focus on the needs of the community. And so I just am going to ask, like, as a church, that you take this conversation really personally. So what you're hearing Scott share and the questions that I'm asking, how these questions are for you. I've already heard the answers for these questions. So it's how can how can these answers move your heart? And where, just like Pastor Nick was saying, how can you be used to maybe answer some of these needs? And we're going to work on that then as a church, doing that in a more organized fashion. So the first question I have is, in your opinion, what are some of the major challenge or challenges or issues or needs that the Slinger community has? Um. I, I guess, you know, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. There's the, the social aspect, and then there's the financial aspects and that kind of stuff. We are really, really, really fortunate to, to be in Slinger. Anybody who lives in this community, um, very fortunate to be here. Um, you know, low crime rate, um, excellent school system, um, financially very strong, uh, a huge sense of community. Um, we have got so much going for us, it's, it's, it's a blessing. I mean, I think many times we forget about that. All you, well, all you have to do is turn the news on, you know, the first two minutes and then you realize how much worse things could be. Um, and then the, the social thing, you know, we, we do have a, a, a lot of positive things in that area as well. I mean, we, um, we, we have a, a newly formed business association. We have Rotary. We have Kiwanis. Um, we have um, the, the Slinger Advancement Association. So we, we have other programs out there. We have multiple churches in the community. Um, so, you know, it's weaknesses... It's hard. I mean, I, I think on some level we have many weaknesses than any other community have, but we just don't have them, you know, being a community of 6,100. It's, it's not as grossly in our faces, but we do still struggle with um, mental health issues. Uh, that's everywhere. Uh, it's surprising. Uh, every month I get a report from the, um, the police department showing what's been going on, and it's disheartening to see drugs and alcohol and um, mental health issues that, that even our community um, suffers with. So I, I, don't know, I don't think that goes away just because we're a smaller community. Those are still things that we're dealing with. Yeah, I would agree agree with that. And I, when I first moved out, well, I didn't move out, but started working out here, someone said, like, oh, you're moving to the utopia of Slinger. And I didn't know what they meant, but I get it now. It's There's a lot of great, awesome things happening here. And what we're kind of excited about is, like, digging under the surface and figuring out some of those other things that maybe aren't as easy to talk about um, or maybe people just don't want to talk about and cover up. And that's kind of what we're doing as an impact ministry is uncovering some of those things and then seeing how we can meet those needs so thanks for sharing um, what services I know you mentioned a couple of the different programs that we have but are there any services that you see already in place that are helping the community and like what are some of their strengths would you say 
you know, being a smaller community, we do rely a lot on county as well. And that's, you know, one of the neat things about Washington County in general is that even though we may be individual um, villages, townships, cities, uh, collectively we're very strong. And, and a lot of the, the services that we rely on are from a county level. To, to repeat services, it doesn't make financial sense on a small scale, you know, crisscrossing. Um, on a running the village sense, you know, we team up many times with Hartford and Jackson, they're kind of our sister communities where we, we uh, uh, share anything from equipment to helping each other out. Um, and then in terms of uh, uh, needs for people who are looking for mental health services or pregnancy issues or drug or alcohol rehab, we rely very heavily on the county. Uh, they've got the budget, they've got the strength, they've got the manpower to, to help that. Uh, you know, to duplicate all those services individually uh, would just be too expensive um, because more certain size communities needs it, needs it more than than other sizes. So you know we do have a food pantry here in Slinger, um, and it it unfortunately gets used, or fortunately, however you want to say it. Um, but we don't have really a lot of other. Um, social services here, but they are available. And, you know, I do try to make sure that people understand that just because they don't see a building right down the street, that, that that's something that we can't help them with or connect them with. Uh, our police department is, is great. They have a lot of connections with the county and, and to help people get the services they need. Um, so, that, like I said, just because there may not be a sign on a building right down the road doesn't mean that those services aren't available here for people. Awesome. Thanks. And in a few weeks, we'll get to... Um meet with the county executive too, and he'll be able to share a lot of what those programs are that are already in place. Um, so what else can would you say could be done to offer help in the community? I know I'm kind of asking a similar sort of question, but like what do you what what is really needed here? Well, you know, I think we we suffer <clears throat> a similar thing that other communities suffer from, and that's volunteer work. Um, you know, even Pastor Nick mentioned it of in the church. Um, we have <clears throat> gotten to a point where we're so busy, uh, it's like we're creating stuff. It's creating stuff to be busy that we sometimes forget what the bigger important things are. You know, we've got some great organizations here in this community that raise funds that go right back into the community, and they're all struggling. They're struggling to have membership. Um, we've got churches. Uh, I'm not familiar with what all the churches are doing individually, <clears throat> but I often wonder if collectively something big could be done. You know, it's the territory thing. You know, well, you know, we're this religion and we're that religion and we're that. <clears throat> but most of all the churches in this community are Christians, so I think there's a basic thing that they can all agree upon. But, uh, you know, I would say get out there, volunteer, not just at the church, um, but even some of our local um, community service programs, like, you know, like I said, Rotary or the Business Association, they're out and about, they're raising funds, they're bringing awareness, they're, they're connected to other sources. So it, it's not so much reinventing the wheel, it's staying involved. It, it's, it's making sure that you're connecting with people and that, that you're, you're reaching out wherever you can. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that would be kind of my thought on that. Great. I think that totally is in alignment with what Impact Ministry is about. We are not trying to reinvent or create our own programs. We're just coming alongside programs that are in existence. So we uh, have many people in the audience excited to start volunteering after today's message, I think. So, 
Well, you did a good job of answering question four and five together. So we're just down to one question left. And uh, what would you say as a village president is our greatest strength as a community? I think our greatest strength is our community. You know, I, I really do. Uh, I know it sounds hokey, but I mean, we, you know, uh, collectively, this is an old community. Yes, there's a lot of newer families uh, moving in, but there's still that 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 steep vein of, of history that people respect. Um, we've got such a phenomenal school district. We've got uh, businesses, I mean, multiple businesses in this community that have been around 50, 75, 100 years that still remain here and still give back to the community. Multiple churches, parks, um, we've got so much going for it. I don't think there is one particular strength. It's just, I, you know, I, I know the I know this county like the back of my hand. Part of that is being in real estate and, and driving around all the time. But there is something very unique about Slinger that I feel. And I've I grew up in Richfield for a while. Lived in Kewaskum and Jackson, and and now Slinger. So I've I've got some experiences. I'm not just like, you know, <laughs> bent on Slinger. I've I've been around. But there is a sense of community here, and a lot of it is tied with the school district. I mean, the relationship that, that we have as a community and a government with our school district seems much stronger than other communities. I mean, you go to a Friday night football game here, and I, I swear, 75% of the people in the stands don't even have kids that are in school anymore. I mean, they're there to watch the game. It, there's just such a, a sense of pride in this community and making sure that that, that we're moving in the right direction and that you know um, everybody is uh, focused on making right decisions. There are, there are still some issues. There's always going to be issues. But we, we don't seem to be, um, fortunately, rattled by that as much as some of the other communities. And I just think it's that, that, that overall sense of community, that, that pride of, hey, I, I'm, I'm here. Um, we want to make sure it stays good and they're making right choices. Um, I mean, even, you know, we can be touched, um, you know, as all of you know, about six weeks ago with the, the school issue, um, my phone started blowing off the hook and, you know, I lost all feeling and blood in my body as I raced to the scene. Um, but just the way the community came together so quickly and within two minutes and 20 seconds, our police chief was in that building. Um, in that building within two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, you know, you, you, you hear other stories where that doesn't happen, um, but just to hear some of the behind the scenes stories of what was going on there, that just shows the care and, and what, what people, and, but even after the fact, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of criticism of how things could have been different. It was support. It was a totally different type of atmosphere. So we're very privileged to be here and, and we can't, uh, ever um, forget that. I mean, we, we, we just can't take it for granted. I mean, it's work. It's like a marriage. It's a friendship. It's a business. It's work. Um, and it's going to take volunteerism. It's going to be, uh, it's always going to take, you know, watching out for your, your fellow neighbor um, and, 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 and giving whatever capacity you can. You know, there's, there's plenty to do and there's plenty of people who need it. Um, but I, I don't ever want anybody, because sometimes there seems to be this air, and you had said it earlier, the utopia of being in Slinger. Um, I, I don't like that crutch. You know, I don't like the idea that there are some people that feel that way. You know, it's like, well, everything is just perfect and it will always be perfect. Things can turn on a dime. Um, we need to remember that, that we need to continue to stay 
focused and, and build positive stuff that goes on in the community. Awesome, thanks. Well, that's really exciting for us, I think, as a community-focused church. A lot of things that you're mentioning are a lot of our um, same core values and vision of loving the community, being radically generous. Um, and our hashtag is love where you live. So um, that all really excites me about just digging deeper and knowing that there's going to be a lot of support along the way. So thank you so much for your time and um, reflection of the questions. I know it's uh, a lot to have to share in front of others, but you're probably used to it. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.